Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to the Fuck It Up Comedy Club podcast. I'm your host, Kima Bob, and you are now tuned in to an unapologetic celebration of comedians of color who are not cis men. And what we do here is simple, honey. It's an opportunity to hear dope stand up from lovely comedians and get to know them a little better. Oh, you got. I think that person is funny. I wonder what they think about just honestly very random questions that I asked them. Um, and today I had such a fun, weird, chaotic conversation with Suchandra Chakrabarty, Tuana Main, and Maria Shahada. But before we get into that, you know we got some stands up for you. Oh, hold up. But before we get into that, the gang shared some moments with me that were fucking incredible. One time I didn't turn up to a gig because I kind of got lot. I got waylaid. <laughs> it's basically what happened. So basically, what I did the a gig. What is waylaid? Do you not know waylaid? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a British thing, right? Is you just get lost on the way. Is that waylaid? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like is. Delayed yeah. on the way. There's way no, there's no yeah. yeah, you just. Anyway. Oh, you think it's she just... got laid on the way? <laughs> on the way. <laughs> waylaid. Yeah, no, there was no sex. That would have been fantastic, but um, no. Um, I just got, just, 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 <laughs> this, this journey just kept on getting worse. Basically, I did a gig in Manchester, and because it was quite expensive to get a train ticket, I thought I'll get a coach up and get the train back. Mm. See? <laughs> anyway, what happened was I got on the coach, but there was. Uh, a crash on the motorway, so the coach had to come off the motorway. Anyway, when well, I arrived just after the last train came back to London, so on the way there, I cancelled the. I was like, I'm not going to turn up to this gig, and I'll be late. I was thinking, but at this point, I can get the train back. Fuck it, that's cool. And then because everyone had been on this coach for hours, everyone just ran off to find food, and I was like, Shh, guys, I need to get a train. No one listened to me. They just went off and got subway and God knows what else. So when the coach pulled into Manchester. It pulled in, I remember it went past the train station roughly the same time you as the train, and I was like, fucking hell. Please. So I missed the train, and then I had to get the coach back, but the coach didn't leave until midnight. So then I got to London at seven o'clock in the morning, and I had to phone up my work <laughs> and say, I can't come to work. I've had hardly, I've been, I've been traveling for hours to this gig. <laughs> I didn't do the gig. So I turned up today. So whenever I turn up for a gig, I'm like, fuck, yes, thank you. <laughs> Jesus. It's literally down the road, but you never know. Waylaid is very easy for me. <laughs> I don't want to get waylaid a day, to, day of my life. It sounds horrible. Yeah. It was. What about you guys? The moment that's fucking incredible. Thank you. I was in a not very good housing situation recently. In fact, one of my old housemates is here. She was great. Um, <laughs> she's fine. But the landlord was, was not great. And um, I thought I'd have a difficult time. and I'd have to keep in touch to try and get my deposit. They just gave me my deposit straight back. So I got out, got in the moving van, and just had this moment where I just blocked their number. And it felt oh. so good. And I really hope they listen to this podcast. <laughs> I had that moment in March. Yeah, bad flatmate. That's not what I was going to talk about, though. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, so 2017, I was doing my first full run at Edinburgh, and I couldn't, I was trying to write the show, but I also just moved to London um, the previous year, and so I was writing the show about my fiancé and about the move, and it wasn't going well between us, and so I was trying to shape the show and deal with this, like, kind of breakup that was imminent. 
And I couldn't figure it out, so I was like, I'll just write it as an article instead of as a show. And I wrote it as an article, and I just submitted it to Modern Love in the New York Times. Have you, do you know yeah. that? So it's like, this is like a column that like, anyone can submit to, and they get like so many entries, and there's Google Docs upon Google Docs about how you're supposed to submit, and how many notes you'll get back, and like how impossible it is, and all that. And I just yeah. submitted it thinking, I would never, ever hear from them. It was just to shape the show. And then, two months later... Uh, uh, my fiance and I are like, we're, we're going on a break. Everything was bad. And then I, I get a, a call from the editor of Modern Love saying like how like he was like, I really enjoyed your article. You have such a fresh voice. And I want to post this in a two weeks. Usually it takes months before we post these. I'd like to post yours in two weeks. And it was right before my Edinburgh run. And I was like, fuck him. Fuck everybody. This is amazing. Um, yeah, so. of comedians of color who are not cis men. Yes! Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Kima Bob, and I'm so happy to see you. Why? Because I want to ask you if any of you have been listening to the new Beyonce album. Yeah? Oh my God. Now, here's the deal. I've been trying to chat to people about it. It came out like two days ago. And not enough people have listened to it. By which I mean not enough people have listened to it as much as I have. <laughs> um, who's been listening out there? Yeah? Um, can I get a fave song off ya? You whooped to say that you didn't listen to it? You made a sound to be like, I, I don't love when blessings are bestowed upon me. But the goddess that is Beyonce, how dare you? I support you and your choices. <laughs> Virgo's Groove. Oh my God, is that the one where she's like, I love you. Oh. That was too much about love for me, to be honest. I was like, Beyonce, I need you to sing about being a hoe, please. <laughs> like, sing about being single, please, Beyonce. Virgo's Groove is a great song. Uh, do we have any other favorite songs in the house? Church girls, oh, drop it like a thotty, drop it like a thotty. In the song Church Girls, see what Beyonce had did, right? There were two songs in the album that have names that would imply that they would be about something else, right? There's Church Girl and there's America Has a Problem. And like, when, you, when you're like, oh, Church Girl, this is about to be wholesome. Like, wow, is this going to be like some gospel roots? Um, and she's like, drop it like a thotty, drop it like a thotty. And she's like, shake that ass in church or whatever. Um, and I love it so much but there's uh, one lyric in Church Girl that really got me because I'm like listening to it and I'm like mm. and then she's like um, it was like she's good on her own with her friends without a man and I was just like Beyonce why do you want to remind me <laughs> just a bit fucked up like it was just like talk to me about dancing but we didn't need to talk about relationship statuses it was a little too much honestly and then the song America Has a Problem um, like, you think that she's going to go, like, political? Like, you're like, oh, America does have a problem. Yeah, it's fucking racism. Yeah, America does have a problem. Oh, it's the police state. Yeah, America does have a problem. And then she's, just, she's basically just like, I'm a bad bitch in America. <laughs> she's like, I'm in America. I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> like, apparently she's the problem. <laughs> You go, you go, Beyonce. Oh, it's so good. The album, uh, it's just giving me so much life. Like, honestly, like, Lizzo dropped new music last week. Now Beyonce, I just want everyone to watch out because the self-esteem <laughs> of so many people is about to go through the roof. <laughs> we are going to be unbearable. I love it. I'm walking to the tube and I'm like, Mm, mm, mm. That's that thick. Mm, mm. I'm like, ass getting bigger. Cash getting bigger. <laughs> and the people behind me are like, please, ma'am, I just want to tap my oyster card. <laughs> Suck it up. Oh, 
so good. And uh, there's like, um, so she was saying that she dedicated um, the album to her uncle Johnny, um, who was a gay man and who passed away because of HIV. Um, and like throughout the album, there's all sorts of like really gay shit going on. And it makes me so happy. But at the same time, I'm like, Beyonce, who taught you this? <laughs> who showed you this? It literally sounds like she watched Pose <laughs> and then watched Legendary. And she's like, yes, like there's one song where she's like, um, she's like, flip, flop, flippy, flip, flop, an ass bitch. And it's just, <laughs> Beyonce, what's happening? You can hear her death drop, it's insane. <laughs> I love it. It makes me so happy. Mm. Oh. Um, I want to know, like, uh, like, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, like, okay, but I'm going to move on from the Beyonce of it all for a second. But, like, okay, so I'm from Houston, yeah, uh, which is where Beyonce is also from. And growing up, like, when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, like, Destiny's Child was, like, doing their thing on the radio. They're, like, hometown heroes. And, like, to have my hometown hero be fucking Beyonce. Oh, every day I wake up so moist. It's insane. And there's something, and I, I'm not going to generalize because Beyonce doesn't do it for every woman. She doesn't do it for every black woman, but she fucking does it for me. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I feel so pumped up. And I just want to apologize to the citizens of London for the way that I will behave for the foreseeable future because it's going to be a mess. And I won't be able to apologize because apparently I'm that girl, but also I'm an alien superstar. These are tracks on the album. You should listen. <laughs> ah! Anyway, there's going to be comedy. It's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm really excited um, to bring up the first act. This is uh, someone who has a certain je ne sais them. <laughs> There's a vibe uh, to this person, and I'm excited to share them with you. Whip and chairs, we welcome to the stage the phenomenal Tawana Mine! <laughs> Je ne say them, okay. Never had that one before. I might as well just sit down and chill. Fuck. Peaked. So, thank you. Good evening. Hello. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about mermaids. Mm, yeah. Would we still like them if they were just the other way around? So, if you were a fish at the top, a lady from below. Possibly. Um, so I might be shy, or I might be aloof, I'm not sure. You know when you walk down the street, you see someone you know, you don't really want to talk to them, so you just turn around and walk the other way. <laughs> I don't do that, that's rude. What I do is I just carry on walking, and then when I get quite close to that person, I just close my eyes. <laughs> Wait for them to pass, open my eyes, and they're gone. It's, it's that easy. There is a reason for that, it's like, if I can't see them... They can't see me. <laughs> Try it. It works every time. I don't have any children, which is cool. Um, none that I know of anyway. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I like the idea of having an imaginary six-year-old son called Keith. <laughs> Keith likes his own company, eating bowls of cereal late at night, and like most boys his age, he's a big fan of the early stuff by the Wu-Tang Clan. It's, <laughs> my boy. So I'm from South London, Quiet Park. Oh, some whoops and cheers. Um, I got a round of applause for that once. Uh, I was a guest at a wedding, told everyone at the table where I lived and they just stood up and clapped. I was like, amazing, brilliant. My table were happy that I was from a quiet part of South London. I looked over at the, uh, the bride and the groom and they looked less impressed. Understandably, they were still pissed off of me for turning up 15 minutes late into the ceremony <laughs> and wearing a better wedding dress than the bride. <laughs> Where I'm from in South London is really quiet. Didn't really like it when I was growing up because not a lot happened. And then when the riots happened, nothing happened. Well, the window in the local Smiths was smashed, but I think that was more to do with the price of their bloody pens than <laughs> what was going on. Um, but I didn't really like where I was growing up because nothing happened. 
But a few years ago, something quite exciting did happen. In the middle of the night, this man broke into some cars with some knives, wouldn't put them down, the police were called, and they came along and shot him. Didn't die, but I thought this was exciting. But I remember saying to mum a few days afterwards, did you hear about the police shooting a man the other day up the road? And she was like, up the road where? So I said, Elsinore Road. And she was like, that's not up the road, that's down the road. I'm like... (laughs) Why are you such a mum about all of this? This is... No need to be a pedant. Um, When I was eight, my mum sat me and my brothers down and told us that we weren't her biological children. Looking back, it came totally out of the blue, but it was obvious, really. She's white. (laughs) Let me explain. Me and my brothers started off life in a one-bedroom council flat in South London, and a few years later, we were placed in a five-bedroom Victorian house with a conservatory, a 45-piece dinner set, and a white mum. It was only meant to be a short-term thing, but we were cute back then. So we stayed. When our mum spoke to us about wanting to make it official and adopting us, I thought, one-bedroom council flat, five-bedroom Victorian house. You know what that is? It's a great bit of social mobility, that's what. It's like a real-life Disney film, but with black people. (laughs) So my mum really is white. Uh, Unfortunately for me, it's not Madonna. Or Angelina Jolie. It's just a farmer's daughter from North Devon. You can't have everything. But when you're transracially fostered and adopted, sometimes you find yourself in settings and situations where the only black and ethnic minority children, as I was for a bit at school. So the teacher would get all the other children to surround me, because that's always a good idea, (laughs) and to sing Boney M's Brown Girl in the Ring. I think he wanted to make me feel all right about the situation. I just felt really awkward. Secondary school was equally weird. I had a head of year, wasn't a massive fan of uh, the black kids, so he rounded us up again, different man but more rounding up of black children. And he told us not to go around in groups of more than two because we were scaring all the white kids. The thing was, there's only three of us in that school, so (laughs) there was always one of us on our own. It's all right. In year nine or ten, he went and worked at another school, and then word got back to us one day that he just dropped dead and died. So that's your happy ending, guys. (laughs) When Mr. Cooper died, that was the happiest day of my young life. It was an absolute horror. (sighs) So I am one of four children. Uh, I've got two older brothers who are twins and a younger brother. We were brought up mostly by my mum and my grandparents helped out. And next month, it's my nan's 101st birthday. Thank you. We're going to celebrate it quietly this year. She died in 2007. There's no point making the fuss. Come on. I'll leave you with this bit. Well, I've got to leave you soon, anyway. So while we're all getting pissed off about lots of stuff, because there's a lot to be pissed off about, I'm focusing on one thing. Small children taking up multiple seats on public transport. (laughs) That is what gets me... Forget about the cost of living and the fact that cauliflowers have gone up 11p. It's... Why are you in a seat? You have not even paid. (laughs) When I was young, you stood up. Or you were just squeezed with all the other children into one seat. If you were lucky enough to have a seat, it was often on an adult's lap. Not always one you're related to, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Guys, thank you very much. I've been Tawana Main. Hello. I I love London. I live here now. I moved here from L.A. Thank you all so much. That was super warm. That was amazing. I felt that in my heart. That was awesome. I uh, do miss L.A. sometimes. I miss the way everybody there just came up to me speaking Spanish all the time. Right in. I don't speak Spanish. And they get mad when you don't speak it back. One guy was like, what's the matter, mija? Your mother never taught you Spanish? No. Because I'm Egyptian. I don't know why she would have done that. It seems totally unnecessary, but he wouldn't let it go either. He's like, you must be half. Are you half Latina? You must be half. I'm like, I'm not at all, but I get it. I'm short. I'm brown. My name is Maria. I got a big butt. Like, I get it. I've tricked you and I'm sorry. I'm just not at all Latina. Okay. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get back to eating my burrito. Thank you so much. I ended up moving to London because I met a guy who lives here. We fell in love. 
Then we fell out of love immediately after I moved. Turns out what was working about our relationship was the distance. <laughs> that 6,000 mile buffer, that was perfect. We should have kept it there. I love to pause after I say I fell in love because I just want to see if London will cheer it. And so far, no, never. <laughs> not, not once, not well, one time I got booed. And I think I'm just used to American audiences because they lose their shit. As soon as I say I fell in love, they go crazy. Because we love love in America and guns and we just go nuts. They're, they're always like, you fell in love, woo! Bow, 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 fuck yeah, bitch, you did it. You know, but you don't do that here. I don't know what that is. Are you more jaded? <laughs> you're more realistic? But you wait for more information. You're just... <laughs> Is that it? Good. I hope it lasts. You know, it might not. A lot of people end up alone. That's just life. Hope you like cats. And uh, I don't know. We just didn't get along. You know when you move in with somebody and you're like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> I didn't know you have to move in together to find out. Like, we, we fought a lot. He shaved his beard and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? It's okay, it's just shocking. And um, I flew 6,000 miles to be with him, which is a long way. And I might have brought that up a couple of times. <laughs> Every small fight we got into, I might have mentioned it. <laughs> like we went out to eat and he took the booth seat at the restaurant right away. Yeah, you, you understand that's the most comfortable seat. Like that's. You have a conversation about that seat. Do you want the booth seat or should I have it? He just sat down. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. I got to have the window seat on the plane when I flew 6,000 miles <laughs> to come be with you. So enjoy your booth seat and your life. And um, we, <laughs> we were engaged too. And uh, I gave back the ring, which I didn't want to do. It held a lot of monetary value for me, so that was really difficult. And um, I was so used to having that ring on my finger that I freak out every once in a while because I lose things all the time. I go out, I drink, I lose hats, keys, umbrellas, friends, shit like that. So, like, every once in a while, I'll look down at my hand and I'll be like, oh, fuck the ring. Oh, wait, my relationship's over. Oh, my God, thank God I thought I lost it. Oh, that's such a relief, you know? And then I ended up just staying in the UK because I like it here. Uh, but it's weird when you're in a new country and you meet people for the first time because you don't know, like, did I just meet somebody who's typically British? Or did I just meet one asshole? Like, you don't know. <laughs> and you're not assholes at all. You're very lovely people. But you vomit in public a lot. Like, more than anywhere I've ever seen. I just, what the fuck? Like, it's just fountains of vomit on a Friday, Saturday night. I'm sliding to where I'm going. Just... Eat before you go out. That's it. That's all you have to do. Just have a sandwich. It's not cheating. It's just sensible. And uh, like, I was talking to a guy outside of a pub, and we were having a nice conversation, and then just out of nowhere, he was like, oh. I'm sorry. No, one second. And he turned around, which was nice, and then he comes up, and he's like, where are you from? I, I'm, I'm like excited that we're all traveling again. I love to travel. I like to, I, I go to Paris a lot. I love Paris. Tell my American friends I'm going to Paris. They get so excited for me. They're like, oh my God, Paris, take pictures of your baguettes. Like they love it. <laughs> and I tell you all I'm going to Paris. You don't give a shit <laughs> at all. Like all you ever say when I say I'm going to Paris is, oh cool, how are you getting there? Are you taking the train? <laughs> train is so great. You're going to love the train. Like every time, how are you getting there? You taking the train? Oh, the train is so great. So is Paris. What the fuck? Why can't I talk about it? Gonna go to cafes and museums. I'm gonna see Jim Morrison's grave, and you're like, that's cool. How are you getting home though? You taking the train? Oh, the train is so great. You're gonna love the train. Like it's a good train. All right, it's good to vomit on. And last time I was in Paris, this Parisian guy walks right up to me, and he was like, you have fire. I know, this is why I love the French. What a thing to say to a stranger. You have fire? Yeah, you're goddamn right, I have fire. I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm a comedian. He didn't know any of this, but he must have just seen something in me, like my aura can't lay, and he had to come up and tell me, you have fire. Turns out he was just looking for a lighter. Which, <laughs> which I had, I had one. I just wish he told me before I fucked him. You know, I just... Um... <laughs> My parents are disappointed I didn't get married because, like I said, I'm Egyptian, I'm in my 30s, so I was supposed to be married 20 years ago. So they're like, 
TikTok when this is happening. But they don't understand my life because they didn't date. They were in arranged marriage. Uh, they met on The Bachelor season three. And, um, <laughs> I was supposed to be a doctor, or a lawyer, engineer, that whole thing. And a lot of Arabs are like that. Like I went to Palestine to do a comedy show there because that's what that region needs is dick jokes. And so I was like, let me go help. And uh, <laughs> after, after the show, there was a Q&A, and somebody in the audience was like, why did you decide to become a comedian? And as a joke, I was like, I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. But they didn't get it. They were like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe if you study harder, you can do it. I was like, thanks. <laughs> it's a lifelong dream. Um, my dad always thinks that I'm his responsibility until I'm my husband's responsibility. At no point am I to be my own responsibility. Like, the women in my culture need a chaperone through life, right? Like, we don't have the same rights as the men. My dad wanted to move to America, so he just moved. My mom wanted to move to America, and they were like, let's find you a husband in America, and that's how they met. Three of my aunts became nuns, which is a lot of nuns for one family. <laughs> and I was like, I asked my mom, I was like, Mom, why did all your sisters become nuns? She was like, because they didn't want to get married. And then she caught herself. She's like, because they love God. And I was like, no. I knew it. I knew it. They saw their options. Meet Samir. He doesn't know how to do his own laundry and he has hummus in his beard right now. You can <laughs> fuck him every night. Or meet God. The only thing you're doing on your knees is praying. And they were like, yeah, God, that sounds great. Let me get my shit. Is this the way to the monastery? So... Um, <laughs> I don't want kids or anything. I don't like them. And uh, I think that's fair enough. Do you know if you're a woman, you can just not have babies? I didn't know that. I thought it was mandatory. But you can just not do it. But people don't like it because it's outside the norms of society. But you can just not have kids. But it is like being the guy on the tube with no shirt on. Like, you can do it. It's just <laughs> people would rather you didn't. And um, I'm, I'm, my friends are having babies, and I'll hold their babies, and I'll feel nothing. You know? If you want a baby and you're holding a baby, you should feel something. And I'm always like, it's a bit heavy. And they're always so smug. They're always like, doesn't it just make you want to have one? And I feel bad going, no, not even a little. So now I'm faking an orgasm. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, take it. <laughs> Sometimes that joke doesn't work, and it's just weird. <laughs> just faked an orgasm, nothing. Um, so... I, uh, I'm dating a guy now, he's 11 years younger than me, which makes me a legend. And uh, we're different cultures, he's Scottish, and I'm optimistic. Um, I had no idea how annoying Americans were until I moved over here. I was like, okay, we could tone it down with the optimism, I get it. Like, you could tone it up a bit too. And uh, it rained in April, and he was like, April showers. And I was like, brings May flowers. And he was like, what? <laughs> April showers brings May flowers. He's like, I've never heard the Mayflower bit. I'm like, but that's the optimistic part. That's the nice part. You cut out the optimism? Why did you do that? Why do you just say April showers? What is that? That's two words together. That's not a pep talk. Do you do that with all your sayings over here? Do you just go around being like, hey, it's always darkest. When life gives you lemons, you should be grateful. So, all right, you guys, that's it. Thank you so much. I'm Maria Shahada. I just want to say that you guys have been doing a great job and um, that when we're up here on stage, the only way that we know that what we're doing is working or not working is by the sounds that you make, the cheers, the whoops, the claps, the ha-ha's. Um, and the more that you give us, the more that we feel enabled to give you. So you've been doing a great. Please keep it up. And welcome to the stage, the phenomenal Shachandrika Chakrabarty! <laughs> Well, you took that really seriously. You're like, we are talking back to her. Okay, right. So, there's a lot of stuff wrong with the world at the moment, so I'm going to ignore all of it. <laughs> I'm not watching the news at all. I want to talk to you about something very dear to my heart. Might be dear to yours. I'm talking about statues. Statues? Do we like statues? That was an uncomfortable... No, not down here. Mm, not sure. Not sure. Nice. Anyone? Anyone feelings about statues? It's awkward, isn't it? It's really awkward talking about them. So I'm going to put forth a little case here that statues are not bad in themselves, right? Hashtag not all statues are problematic. <laughs> like, 
It's not the statues themselves. They're morally neutral. It's the <laughs> meaning. Thank you. It's the meanings that we human beings put on them, right? So when I say morally neutral, not many things are in life. Um, I suppose technology is, really. Sex is, if you really think about it. Badminton? <laughs> Depends on how you play it. Yeah, I think it's the meanings we put on statues. You know, it's, it's us that's making them bad. Do we know how many statues there are in London? No, why would you? It's weird. It's a weird question. <laughs> um, because of the whole thing in Bristol where they chucked the statue of the slave trader in the sea. Yeah, that's right. Pretty sweet. Um, our mayor thought, let's, uh, let's do a little audit of the statues in London. <laughs> well, we don't even know why he did the audit. It gets worse. And see how diverse they are. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. But guys, guess what? 1,500 statues, not diverse. <laughs> so most of these statues are of men doing manly things, you know, like uh, discovering new worlds where people already live and giving them smallpox and uh, taking over countries for their spices. But then there are some other statues, right, that aren't of men. There are 100 statues of animals. That's quite sweet. And there are 50 statues of named historical women who've achieved things. So that's a two-to-one animal to female <laughs> achievement ratio through history. Yeah, ladies! If you're not a man, you are doing well. So, um, yeah, I think ladies, in the words of uh, the living work of art, Kim Kardashian, you got to fucking work. <laughs> what are you doing? we got to fucking work, that's right. Let's get off our asses, real or not and work. We need some statues. We need some statues. So I've got a little plan. I've got a little plan. These statues, right? Why did these bad, rich, old white men put them up back in the day? It's no one in the room. Don't worry if there's any white men in the room. We're not having a go at you. It's your dads. No. It's the, the dudes in the 19th century. They were like, look at my ill-gotten gains and the wealth I got from Don't Ask, but it's abroad. And I'll put up a statue. And I was wondering if these statues were like you know, for self-promotional stuff, like advertising, like maybe like for something a bit more close to the heart, like maybe for dating, <laughs> courtship as they called it, chasing the crinoline, that's what they called it. Maybe these guys were like, if I put up a statue of me looking wealthy and big and strong, maybe that's the 19th century equivalent of like, you know these dudes on Tinder who were holding the sedated tiger? <laughs> And in the same way as you look at the guy with the statue, like, he looks strong, he looks sensitive. And he's got a fuckload of money to go to Thailand to set up that opportunity, because you cannot get tigers in Kew Gardens. They don't like it. <laughs> they don't like it. So anyway, I love a statue. Should we uh, find out what these animal statues are doing? So maybe I can figure out how to get a statue of my own. Because there are three statues of women of colour in London. It, uh, we've been slacking. So in order to get my own statue, I'm going to team up with an animal, I think. <laughs> so I'll tell you about some of the animals. First one is Paddington Bear, have we heard of him? Last seen having tea with the Queen during the Platinum Jubilee. <laughs> which I think is really bad PR for other immigrants, because it, <laughs> it gives a very skewed view of our policy towards them. Paddington Bear, a fictional bear... Possibly illegal, one statue, Paddington Station. Okay, who's next? We have, oh, a gorilla, not Harambe. Um, Guy the gorilla. So what happened to him? He has two statues, one in London Zoo, one in Crystal Palace Park. He died of tooth decay. End of story. There's more, I'll tell you more, I'll tell you more. So he lived in London Zoo in the mid-20th century. Um, people threw him sweets. He couldn't stop himself eating them, being an animal, no willpower. Also being an animal, no opposable thumbs. Couldn't brush his teethies. He got cavities, they put him under, general anaesthetic. Died on the table. Two statues. North and South London. There are 16 statues of unicorns across London. They don't exist. No matter how much Scotland tries to make them happen. And guess what? Not being a man. A real experience. Still, only 50. We've got some work to do. We've got some work to do. So I was thinking that maybe I could get a dog and maybe I could 
train it seduce Boris Johnson's dog Dylan? Um, maybe not that. Okay, so what about um, I can get a cat? Teach it how to love human being? No, it's too high a bar. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, look, I would love to get a statue. I'm really hoping that the uh, criteria have changed from what they used to be, which was being a horny or bad rich white dude. Um, it looks like it's going to be a bit of work for me, but I'm getting used to the height. I love a plinth. <laughs> so I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. Um, but yeah, if you could put in a good word for me with the mayor, tell him the statues need to be more diverse. And um, it'd be great if uh, one of them could be of me because the thing is if there's only three statues of women of color i suppose a statue of me is so rare it would be a unicorn <laughs> that's all right thank you so much for listening i've been sachandrika thank you i'm sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's me, Kima B, letting you know that if you like listening to us fuck it up in your house, if you like listening to us fuck it up in your car or on your train, you will absolutely love being in the room where it happens. We usually record our episodes in London in front of a live audience. And let me tell you, it's one of the most beautiful audiences I've ever seen. And I would love for you to join us. For more info, check out Fuck It Up Comedy on Insta or Twitter or go to fuckitupcomedy.com. Please welcome back to the stage the phenomenal comics you've seen. Twana Man, Maria Shahada, Extra Chandrika Chagavade! Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back to the later. Great. Guys, oh! Thank you for coming. Thank you for being uh, phenomenal. Thanks for sharing that with us in this space. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So nice to have you, to hold you, but not in a literal sense. Oh. Yeah. Are you disappointed by that? Would I, you... I was promised things. Okay, yeah. There won't be a cuddle, but um, are you in need of a cuddle? Maybe later. Yeah, I get it. Aren't we all? Um, gang, I want to ask you, do you say no? You're not yeah, in need no, of a cuddle? Yeah, no, I'm not in need of a cuddle. Why no. would you whisper that? It's <laughs> the podcast. Because I didn't want to make it awkward, but... You I didn't want to have... make it awkward that you don't want a cuddle? Are you having a lot of cuddles at home right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm having too many, yeah. Okay. Far too many cuddles. That's fine. Yeah. You're in a cuddle surplus. Yeah. Well, maybe you'd like to lend some <laughs> to your colleague here. <laughs> How many would you like? Two? Three? I'll have many. A couple cuddles, please. This is a, there's a different podcast called Cuddle Club, and this is not that. Okay. It's not that space. Wait, is that where people just meet each other and just hold each other? I think, I think they just hold each other with words. Like it's a real thing. <laughs> oh, no, there's like a real club where you meet up to cuddle. I would love that so much. That's, well, it's an app. <laughs> that sounds so nice. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah. Where it's just like spooning, but you don't have to worry about anyone trying to. You don't have to talk. You don't have to fuck. You don't have to. Oh, yeah. Oh, are we saying fork? Should I not say fuck? No, you definitely say fuck. All right. Yeah. Oh, don't fuck. worry. This is a cool part. <laughs> oh, we say fuck all the time. And fuck. we talk about cuddling. That's right. Oh, um, while we're on the subject, what are uh, you guys a big spoon, little spoon, bit of both? I know this is hard hitting journalism. <laughs> bit of your, both. 
come a on. A bit of both, yeah, because you're 2022, yeah. 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 <laughs> when you're five foot three spooning dudes, I think you're the backpack. Holding on. Holding on for The parachute. <laughs> yeah, trying to give life from behind. Mm. <laughs> You've yeah. read my autobiography, I see. Mm, is that what it's called? Me, trying to give life from behind. Um, what about you, Maria? I force cuddle my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm just like choking him from the back. I'm like, come here, cuddle me. Cuddle me, love me. Yeah, He's always trying to squirm away and just like, I like that more. <laughs> you're going to be in these arms. <laughs> I don't care how hot it is in July, you're going to be in these arms. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Mm. My favorite, uh, I, I enjoy big spooning and little spooning. I want to try middle spooning, <laughs> like where someone else is the big and the little and I'm the middle. I just feel like there's lots of room for opportunity in that. You could probably find that at the Cuddle Club. I'm sure that goes on. <laughs> it's like there's an option. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, do you want this to be a one-to-one spoon? It's like, no. <laughs> You're like, you get six people in on that spoon. Which yeah. <laughs> like, um, doesn't work at all. <laughs> like, this is very exciting. Yeah. I'm actually sorry. This isn't about... These uh, weren't the questions that we spoke about at the beginning, <laughs> by the way. This is all wasn't, news to me. Wasn't at all. Yeah. Guys, um, we all know that I've been listening to the most recent Beyonce album. <laughs> <laughs> um, what... Uh, are there any songs that you've been listening to recently that have kind of like given you a bit of life and made you feel nice? Or a song that's held you in your sadness? <laughs> that's a creepy laugh. <laughs> that's kind of maniacal. I just love it because I was like, what has this become? <laughs> and I have no idea. I'm fucking off the rails today and I love it. You were so scared of where that sentence was going. <laughs> as you see, ah. oh, but we made it. Yeah. Yep. Song, mu- music, you like? I, yeah, go please go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm listening to a lot of Amy Winehouse at the moment because my Edinburgh show is about her. And it is a real roller coaster. There's like two bangers. Yeah. Rehab's kind of a banger, but also a massive downer. Yeah. Valerie's a banger. Yeah. Kind of end of bangers. And the rest is like crying with your friends after a breakup with a bottle of wine. <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. I feel like um, Amy, like such an incredible talent, but like, uh, like white girls get so sad in this country. <laughs> it's the weather, is what it is. It is <laughs> Black girls get sad here too, but you just can't see it. But. Well, <laughs> It's the weather. It's okay, very like much. It's fucking um, Adele as well. And they're just like, like <laughs> this fucking, this weather is turning these white girls into superstars. And I love to see it. <laughs> it's like, damn, this fucking, uh, yeah, these breakups are hitting hard. Yeah. Um, poor Amy. Honestly, so good. What about you guys? Well, uh, I listen to uh, quite a bit of hip-hop. Me and my imaginary six-year-old son. It's a lot of Snoop, early Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Or Snoop Doggy Dog, depending on how old you Lovely are. Lovely stuff. Um, good good high-quality stuff. How yeah. do you feel like... Oh, I'm sorry, this question's going to be so gross. But how do you feel as, like, a like womany person? Because people are always like... this. This music is so bad, and I'm like, actually, it just kind of bangs. Yeah. <laughs> I just listen to it, and I just accept it for what it is. Yeah, it's bad stuff, but it bangs. Yeah, <laughs> which, what else are you gonna do? You only live once, so just listen to awful music and swearing and misogyny and all the rest of it, but dance yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah. Because hey. he has a song and it goes, "It ain't no fun if the homies can't have none," which is basically <laughs> like, "Why am I fucking you if my friends can't also fuck you?" Um, which is insane logic, but also a dope song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, if the homies can't, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck all the friends. And it's all about getting loads of money. I know you've had money chat before, but it's all about getting the dollar dollar bills. People Which is wanna, what we all want. You want to get money. You want get to fuck ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two out of things. two isn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are always like, do you guys remember that song, Blurred Lines? 
Yes. Yeah, and everyone's like, that song is so bad. And I'm just kind of like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I fucks with it. <laughs> what about you, Maria? Has there been any music bringing you life recently? Um, I've been listening to, uh, tell me, like, I think it was popular here, but I don't know, I don't think it was in the States, is um, I Don't Feel Like Dancing by the Scissor Sisters. Oh, yeah. I don't feel like dancing. The old Joanna plays. I don't know what an old Joanna is. I think it's a piano. People love old Joanna. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Does anyone know what an old Joanna is? It's a piano. That's what I thought it might be. Yeah. But I don't think that song was popular in the States. I was like, who? Like, but, like so I looked them up, and I guess they started in New York, but then came over here, and that's where they got famous. Okay. Yeah, just like me. Yeah, I was, <laughs> like, I was like, this is actually very relatable. Because um, they also had that song that's like, gonna take your mom out all night. And yeah. I'm like, yes, take my mom out. Why not? <laughs> she deserves a nice time. Yeah. Yeah. They have like a woman in their 40s on, the, on their album cover. I'm like, I love these people. That's great. Yeah, okay. Who composes that group, band? Like, who are they? Are uh, their sisters involved? <laughs> no, they took that from like a lesbian act. Okay. Scissors, sis- like scissoring. I read that yeah. on Wikipedia. I, you know? <laughs> They started in like they started in like cabaret. I'm I'm familiar. It's just just that's yeah. I think Keith taught you that. Keith Keith taught me. (laughs) Came back from school and he went, "Mum, today I've learned." I'm like, "Dude, really good stuff." Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) very good. Remind me to call your teacher and give her a high five. (laughs) (laughs) But after she's washed her hands. Get her out of control. Wild. Shame on you. Sorry. But also, great stuff. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, I want to ask you as a question that, like, um, sorry to depart from scissoring. This is a problem. <laughs> um, but I just wonder, like, uh, uh, it always. Yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that in the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tonal shift. <laughs> <laughs> but I am um, I like being this high. So I'm only five foot yeah. three in nature. But uh let me lose on one of these stages. I'm about five foot six. And it is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm four eleven. I do like this. I think maybe it's subconsciously it's why I got into it. And like people always come up to me after shows like, oh. You're much taller on stage. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> it's a stage. That's how it works, dipshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> so That's what I do. I just be mean to everyone who's like, like, five, like five feet taller than I am. That's how it works, dipshit. <laughs> like, they just pick me up and throw me. <laughs> so things, some things are going well in England. <laughs> <laughs> that, so, like, uh, you're saying that as petite treats, as short queens, um... <laughs> There's something like about kind of looking at people from that angle that's like, mm. I just like, I'm seeing a hairline. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew how fun it was up there, guys? I'm usually seeing chin. This is great. <laughs> you all look lovely. Okay, that's so funny. I mean, I did uh, hope for something more self-reflective. <laughs> <laughs> did you want something deeper? But do you know what? You do you. <laughs> a thousand percent. Um, yeah, so doing comedy taught you anything about yourself? No. <laughs> it's pretty together when I started. I'm still together years later. Just a very sane individual. Yeah. Fully formed, human, funny. Uh, okay, let's just go and do this thing. No. It's weirdly, it's all right. I'm a little bit shy in real life, but on stage, I'm really confident. Mm. Mm. Do you find that, like, uh, um, like when you like kind of step onto the stage, a bit of like, well, I feel like you have to own who you are in a way that we yeah. don't always off stage. I was told two things: uh, be funny and be in control, and that's all you need. Mm. And it is that really. 
So you can come and do it, guys. Yes. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, but you just basically, basically the audience needs to know that you're you're going to be all right because I've yeah. seen I've seen gigs where somebody's really nervous and the audience can sense that and they're like. Mm. And when the audience senses it, then it's lost. The comedian on stage is going to have a dreadful time, and they usually do. And in the end, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And you can well, watch. Yeah, you just have to sort of appear to be in control let, let, and funny. Like, and um, allow people to feel like they're in safe hands with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're in safe hands with me. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, something like that. I think I heard that mm, I've seen people that would like mm. to be in those hands. <laughs> <laughs> they saw the scissors. <laughs> yeah, they're like, go oh boy. Yeah. Let's keep this clean. Keith needs to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it needs to be suitable Poor for six year olds. Keith. Imaginary. Poor Keith. Um, <laughs> I um, I find that uh, being like a self-employed person and like a creative person, you always have to like bring yourself to another challenge. And like in this industry, like it's always like another fucking mountain in front of you type thing. Um, I guess what I want to know is like, have you guys had to face anything kind of scary or intimidating recently? And like, how did you get yourself through it? Everything. I, like, I think my entire comedy career has been scary. Mm. Mm. And this is scary. I'm like, I've started talking now. Now I have to, like, say something. How is it, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> how is it for you moving here? Oh, yeah, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I, I moved, because like, I was engaged. And uh, when I got <laughs> my first, like, when we got to his place, his studio, I was dragging my shit up, up the stairs, he had gone ahead of me, mm. and, and so I just hear That's him. Terrifying. I just hear him go, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm just trying to get my stuff up the stairs. He's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" And I, I finally got up the stairs with my own shit, and then, and, I, and then the ceiling had collapsed. Uh, his entire ceiling. He had been complaining about a crack in the ceiling to the landlord, and they did nothing about it. And so when we got back from LA, his whole everything. He bought all this new furniture for me, which was kind of sweet, like the one nice thing he did. And like, uh, and then like everything all over his carpet, his new his sofa, his desk that he sat on, like the side of it was torn clean off. Like he could have been dead if he wasn't yeah. <laughs> in LA banging me. And like I, uh, I uh, yeah, I mean, and that was, that was scary because as soon as I showed up to London, I was homeless. <laughs> I was like, so yeah, no, I mean, I'm fine. Um, we just, I just like, we got a hotel and ordered pizza and watched Question Time. <laughs> that was my first experience of London was Welcome Question to Time. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Wait, is that, is is that the political one? It's a political panel show, and like they, they go to different cities, and then people who are, I guess are undecided like come and ask questions. Mm. But they're all racist. They're not undecided. They're like real racist. Oh, they're racist. Oh, no, they're, they're decided. They're fully decided. <laughs> they know that they're racist. That's the one thing. They also hate everybody who's like they, women. They don't not massive fans of women. Uh. They're like just generally. So if you're like straight white guys, they're like okay, cool. But everybody else, yeah, no. they're like no, thank you, please. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to ask you questions. I think yeah. it's their cuddle club. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, definitely. come along. Do you want to hold some gammon in your arms? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you don't. You don't. <laughs> Those dudes do. Have you ever performed to three people? Uh, almost exclusively. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> three people at Edinburgh happens all the time. Don't take it personally. But yeah. like, and sometimes they just have the time of their lives. They get a personal yeah. show. It's yeah. fun. No, but I've got a feeling I'm, might I might be have, about to. I have. <laughs> yeah, it's like being on an awkward date. It's really weird. Yeah. So it's funny. like, just don't. You get everyone to sit next to each other as well. And you're just like, but hey, yeah. guys, come up, yeah. come in. Yeah. You're like, shit, should I sit next to you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. What if it's the same three people who keep coming back? <laughs> then you've made super what fans. That's what you want. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my American optimism coming through. Like, that's great. That's three people who love you. Incredible. And we'll join your Patreon. <laughs> that's my American capitalism. <laughs> God, it's such, a, it's such an interesting feeling. I feel like, uh, have you gone up to the French before? Yeah, a few times, yeah. Yeah. How, how 
Yeah. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard, my first, the first time I was at the Fringe, was, I was doing a week-long show, and it was, um, uh, like, uh, the, I did it with Freestival, it was that year that this new free mm. comedy, uh, this is going to get too much, but basically they lost the rooms, original rooms we were supposed to be in, so they shoved us in these, like, arches that were under a bridge that weren't fully developed, now they're, like, salons and they're really nice shops and stuff, but okay. at the time it was just dirt, and, like, yeah, my, like if, <laughs> if you guys don't know... Um, like, uh, you know, the Edinburgh Fringe, there are like, like thousands of shows, but there aren't thousands of purpose built. Yeah. No. <laughs> so they just stick shows in the weirdest of places. And sometimes your lighting will literally be like one of those Pixar lamps that they just like <laughs> turn that way. Yeah. It's madness. Yeah, they'll shove you in anything. Just mm. get in there, tell some jokes. And you're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, happy, happy to be here. Um, and uh, so the first of my just week-long run, the first show got canceled because they found human remains <laughs> in the venue. And uh, I don't know if they were fresh or if it was like old. That kind of means that every show you do does technically have an audience. <laughs> I killed, yeah! (laughs) Truly. Oh, that's exciting. Now now I'm thinking about what ghosts are up in here. (laughs) Have you gone up and done a show up there? I have. um, The first year I went, I was meant to do 40 minutes. And I, but when I turned up, I'd only written 20 minutes. I didn't realize that until I did my first show. And I was like, (laughs) shit! This show is far too short. Yeah, yeah. So well, then I spent the next three and a half weeks of Edinburgh writing this show. Like every, it was so stressful. And then a couple of years after that, I did an hour, and I've not gone back since because the whole thing's really stressful and expensive. Yeah, it's just it's a rite of passage kind of sort of thing. But also, it's like you don't have to do it, but everyone does it. But it's you spend so much money, like a matter. You hire a venue. You live in, you share a house with about 17 other people and you're living worse than you live at home in London and you're just all collectively having a mental breakdown at the same time. The weather is atrocious. While in London or anywhere else there is a summer, in Edinburgh in August it's freezing cold. It's gone. So by the time you come back in September, all your friends have moved on. The the summer has moved on and you've had a... Breakdown. But yeah, you got to have a great year, time. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So you have a great time, yeah? <laughs> Enjoy yourself. It's the first time. Yeah. Do, you get, do you get refunds? No. And if you make money, you've done it wrong because you basically need to lose money. That's the whole point. It's just, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Why is no one saying what it is? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I thought yeah. I'd got over it. 2017, but nope. Still upset. <laughs> it's a bit mad. I, like, I, I, remember, uh, I went up and I was doing... Uh, I was supposed to share a show um, with someone who couldn't make it because they got a badass writing job in L.A. And then I was like, okay, congratulations. Um, and then oh. I ended up um, just pulling on random people to join me because I was like, I can't do an hour of comedy. <laughs> um, and one day, uh, this lady had to leave in the middle of the show, um, which I didn't really notice. But, oh, when she ran into me in the street, like an hour later, she was like, I'm so sorry. We had to leave your show. And I just wanted, she brought me she brought me five pounds. And she was like, I want to give this to you. And I wanted. Um, <laughs> she was like, I'm so sorry I had to leave, but I just wanted to give this to you because you were talking to us about your student loans. Oh my God. Oh, the debt you must be in. I can't imagine how it must feel. And I was talking about my mental health as well. And she was like, and your poor mental health. Oh, how are you holding up? And I was like, ma'am, please leave it in the room because I was currently chatting to a dude that I was trying to hook up with. I was like, girl, please. She was like, you sound so crazy and poor. You're dead. I was like, bitch, leave it in the room. Did you, did you hook up, though? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They like crazy and poor. Uh, crazy and poor. 
sure. Um, we're going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was insane, though, because you deal with that where, like, you're not on the street with all the people you've just been performing for, and they're just, like, vomiting all the shit that you said to them within the container back in your face. It's insane. <laughs> By the way, if any of you tries to make me feel better about my breakups, I will kill you. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Uh, we are uh, out of time which is sad thank you so much for being here thank you for your time your talent and your energy and sharing them with us um, please give it up for the comments you've seen Tuana Ben and Maria Shahada Oh my god, that conversation took a turn, and then another turn, and then a left, and then a right, and then a swoop-de-whoop, and then an upside-down. It was everywhere. It was chaotic. I loved it. And I'm so grateful that you were here to listen to it and to share it with me, to share it with us. Oh, and let me tell you something. To take it back to the beginning of the episode, because you can hear in the audience that not enough people had listened to Renaissance, because this was recorded like a couple days after it came out. Trust me, I changed that, okay? Changed hearts and minds. Um, I'm still obsessed with it. I can't stop listening. I honestly feel like listening to it one time a day from the top to the bottom, not on shuffle, honey, because if you know the album, you know that those transitions are everything. I feel like listening to it once a day is like my prescription or something. Like every day I'm like, let me have a probiotic. Let me have an antihistamine for my allergies and let me have my renaissance, honey. It gives you strong bones and too much (laughs) self-esteem. Oh, um, the incredible comics you've heard all have projects that you can like enjoy and support so check them out and if you've like listening to this um five stars please (laughs) like subscribe tell a friend uh tweet at us or whatever i want to know what you're thinking i want to know what you're feeling um yeah and this has been such an adventure and i'm so grateful for everyone who's come to the live shows and who's been listening it's been such a joy and um i think the show will continue to like evolve over time as i figure out what feels good and what works and what serves the community best and by the community i do mean on and off stage um and i do mean you i appreciate you being a part of the community so thank you for that uh the fuck it up podcast is brought to you by the films of color comedy club the house of the guilty feminists and is a part of the acast creator network and i hope that you have a beautiful week see you next week